keep Rayman Digital on the air through 2020 by pledging to our Patreon page. Your continued support allows us to continue to make great content and offer even better features in the future. Help us keep the lights on in the studio by pledging $1 to $10 a month. Go to patreon.com slash Digital to pledge. Blimey. This is one out of a jam guy, buddy. The House of Mystery contains demons, angels, elementals, magicians, wizards, apparitions, adult language, and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not enter the House of Mystery. All right, then. On with the show. Welcome, everyone, to the House of Mystery, the John Constantine and Friends podcast. I am Michael Flores, the curator of this show, of this podcast, and I'm in the studio with the apparition of David, because I murdered him, (laughs) and now he's haunting me. I raised you from the dead. So, so that, I'm not a tulpa. Let's no, make that clear. No, no. I'm not your tulpa. No, you're real. You're, you're an avenging spirit. You're angry I murdered you. But you also care enough about this issue here that you're going to go ahead and be diplomatic. And you're going to talk to me. And then kill me afterwards. Sweet. I'm yeah. vestibulin. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we are here to discuss, break down, and review John Constantine Hellblazer number three, A Green and Pleasant Land Part 3. By Simon Spurrier and Aaron Campbell. This is the conclusion. The end of our first story arc. Man, what a conclusion, too. Felt good, too, right? I mean... Felt really good. I am so on board. I mean, this is just the return of form. I... It's so much fun. So much fun. I actually look forward to these issues each month. I mean, I'm like, shit, I'm done reading. And sometimes I I don't read the issue right away, Dave, because I want it to last. So I'll read like two or three pages and I'm like, okay, that's enough for now. I pace myself. (laughs) You you, want to draw it out. Yeah, I do. It's almost like when you have sex with a really hot chick and you don't want to come too fast. You kind (laughs) of, you you gotta be slow. You're like, you know what, baby? I'm just going to use my nose for a little bit. I'm going to go down on you. (laughs) My mouth is hurting. So now I'm just going to use my nose, a little bit of my, 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 my chin. How about my toes? Toes. Toes? Man, you're in some freaky (laughs) shit. (laughs) Hey, listen, whatever you have to do, whatever you have to do to, you know, slow it down and make it last longer. That's kind of what I'm doing with this, with the Hellblazers. I'm like, listen, I I have another three and a half weeks before the next issue drops. (laughs) Please, I got to slow play it. Uh, No, but I do. I look forward to these issues each month. I like to see how everything is falling into place by the end. This honestly should be an example. Like I've always harped at how when, whenever me and you have co- covered other comic books, I've always harped how it takes harped on uh, harped on. <laughs> it, it takes like three That's what issues we're here for. I help you. You help me. Yeah. So we forget how to speak and <laughs> speak English together combined with our combined intellect. We can speak correctly. So we can be like the Wonder Twins. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. Like, I've always stated that it you have to get your audience in a comic book series by issue three. Yeah. What Spurrier did is a clear cut example of how you do it right. 
I like that the story arc didn't drag on. I, I yeah. feel like they could have kept it going for a couple more issues. But you got to actually keep the audience wanting more. Well, because they, they pacified us. Like, all right, well, we wrapped up the immediate story. But, hey, there's all, also the breadcrumbs for a much larger, larger story, story that's brewing. Yeah, because at the end of the day, I mean, like what we meant, uh, I think we covered in the last episode yeah. that the first two issues is essentially John picking up the pieces. He has to pick, he has to kind of start from scratch, you know, because like he's been dropped into like this new world, mm-hmm. but naked with no resources. Right. So he has to start from, from the bottom. Yep. By issue three, he finally starts hitting his stride and you, you, by the end of it, you understand, okay, John has his new crew. Yeah, I like that you said that, that by issue three, he found his stride because it does feel that way. It feels like, all right, I'm getting used to this. I'm, yes. I'm you know, my le- I've stretched and now I feel like I'm at home and we're going to talk about that aspect because that I'm glad you picked up on that because, yes, he found his stride so much so that he forgot something very important. And <laughs> we're going to get into yep. that in a second. But you mentioned Constantine's new crew. Well, we had we talked about it. I believe we talked about it in issue one. We talked about it in issue two. I know for a fact we had the idea that Spurrier was putting together a new team of sorts, the, the adding to Constantine's Rolodex of friends, if you will. We have the muscle, Nat, which I love that it's a a woman number one that just kicks ass. I I, I love it. <laughs> Nat is like the type of person. Honestly, I really dig Nat. I, I mean, after three issues of her, I'm like going, she's the muscle of John. Yeah. And it, and it fits perfectly. Yeah, I love it. And then, of course, he's got the new driver now, Noah. The police officer who will probably be an unwittingly addition to Constantine's new Rolodex. He probably doesn't realize it. He probably doesn't want to be, but guess what? He's roped in. Yeah. He's roped he in. made a deal with Constantine. And now guess what, dude, you're never going to escape. You're never going to escape. Now you're, you're in this, this, uh, this roller coaster called John Constantine's life. Yes. And then on, on top of that, you have Vestibulin who That's is right. Yeah. Is kind of like his, it's, it's his, it's his little sidekick. Dude, I like that. I really like that angle quite a bit that you have an angel or a fallen angel trapped in a cell phone and, and the character is essentially just Siri. Like when you really think about it, well, unlike Siri vestibule can manifest himself and come out of the phone and, and do some, do some damage. It rips someone's face off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like the thing I, I really dig about it too, is like, not only do we get like his new crew, my favorite part of this, one of my favorite, one of my favorite parts in the is, issue mm-hmm. has to be Vestibulin yeah. and him talking. And then he brings up Chaz and it shows that John hasn't forgotten his past. Yeah. But, and that's one of the biggest takeaways for me. I don't want to jump ahead quite yet, Dave. Give me your initial thoughts before we move deeper into this. Give me your initial thoughts in issue three. My initial in thoughts. In a nutshell. Are, in a nutshell, I think this was a perfect issue. This is a clear cut of example of how you restart a series after it's been on hiatus for over a decade. <laughs> no, it hasn't been a decade, has it? It's been close to a decade. It's been at least over a decade because if you think about Hellblazer is like, what about uh, the uh, rebirth Hellblazer? And I'm glad you brought that up though. 
I like the fact that John did not do what New Fifty Two John does, is where he basically pulls out a magic. Uh, um, if this was New Fifty Two John, he'd be pulling out some. He'd be pulling out magic, yeah. and all of a sudden, poof! Yeah, he everything's he fixed. He wouldn't need Nat. He wouldn't need Nat. Yeah, I. And I, yeah. I really like the fact that essentially Spurrier is saying that is not this. That is not the New Fifty Two John. No, this is the Vertigo John. This is the Vertigo John. Yeah, it's a very, it's a different, very different person. So this is a John that's basically doesn't have that arsenal that we as like the main DC universe fans know. And let me just say this before people get pissed off. Cause I know there may be some old or some new 52 and rebirth Constantine fans out there. I want to make it clear. I do not hate that. Yeah. I, I actually dig it quite a bit, but I mean, as we said, I believe on issue number one, you have CBS and then you have HBO. HBO is Vertigo. Yes. Slash Sandman Universe Hellblazer and CBS. Hey, it does great work, high budget work for the most part. And that's that's New 52. That's Rebirth Constantine. It's more for the mainstream. It's yes. for the masses. So there is a difference. I make jokes because it's it, the jokes write themselves. It's it's low hanging fruit. And, and you know what? I'm not very tall. I'm, 5'11 tops, and I like to grab it at low-hanging fruit, okay? <laughs> and it's, that's, it's just how it is. We like to, to make, we like to make jokes and take some jabs, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Because, like, that John is so different from the Vertigo John and now this John Constantine. But it, it, it because of, like, that initial prequel issue where you see the different versions of John. Yeah. It puts it into, it puts it into perspective that... That John is just as important as this John. It's just different. It's just different. Yeah. He's just a different person. Yeah. You know, he, this John doesn't have the resources that the new 52 John does. Yeah. I mean, new 52 John probably would find a shield spell and beat the shit out of uh K mag lickety split, but that doesn't tell good stories. Right. That's not a good storytelling. All right, Dave. Yes, I agree. Um, let's move into this. All right. So the synopsis for this issue. John has found the cause of the magical madness slaughtering gang members on Peckham Rye. And it's just one guy. How hard can it be to stop him? Well, when the gangs get involved and the source of his power becomes clear, the answer turns out to be near impossible, actually. Okay, Dave. So you had alluded to this at the top of the show. My biggest takeaway for me, besides seeing Constantine do his thing, you know, manipulating events, playing detective, conjuring a bit of magic to help and assist, was the moment he asked Vestibulin to call Chaz. That was the take, the, for me, the biggest takeaway of this issue. It said a thousand words for lots of reasons. It shows the reader that Constantine, this is my opinion. It shows the reader that Constantine is not all right. Just because he's getting the groove of the new layout and he's chumming up to some new faces, it doesn't mean he's forgotten the folks of his past. Yes. Or there's a flip side. Maybe he is forgetting in the sense that he was so caught up in the thick of battle that he had forgotten. And perhaps that led to a bit of guilt. It almost seemed like he was having a good time. He was back in it. He was alive. Yeah. And, and, and that's the addiction angle that we spoke of last issue. Yeah, that's the junkie angle. 
so you can look at it so many different ways. And that's why I love the way Spurrier writes. It's that's the beautiful thing. He's allowing the reader to interpret, you know, because that's it's like with TV, a good TV show never just spells things out for you. It allows the reader to, or the audience to have a little bit of leeway with their own interpretation. That's the beautiful thing about that form of art. It is a bit interpretive at times. And the same thing with this issue, specifically that moment, because, yeah, you can say uh, he was, you know, maybe, yes, of course, it reminded him that Chaz was dead. That I think that much is clear. That much is obvious. And there was a sense of sadness, but it can also be a sense of guilt because he got so caught up. And he's right back in it. Yes. And he's he's just repeating his old habits. Yes. That's exact. So you got the same kind of vibe. Yeah, that's okay. the vibe I got because, yeah. like, even even after that, while John is doing these awesome things and showing how awesome John John is as as a detective, right. and as a quote unquote hero, but you also get the sense that basically he's just doing his old habits, right? And he and then it brings up to the question. Did he learn anything? Yeah. <laughs> did he, did I, I think that's the point, Dave. I think that is. I think that is the question. I mean, whatever the case was, it was a very telling moment. And yet again, another example of how well Spurrier can write, and how much how much he understands that character too. Because yeah. I think I honestly think that's going to be a driving force for John for. Pretty much this whole series, I think, is like that that initial moment between him and Chaz when Chaz essentially dies. Well, that, he dies yeah, of cancer. It, it, there's a reason why we. What was that an issue one or is that in the zero, zero. issue? That was an issue. I, zero. Th- th- there's a reason why they brought that in. That moment, Chaz's death, dying of cancer and being angry of J- with John, that was there for a reason. It's going to play a part in Constantine's development within these new issues that whether it be guilt or a way to remind him of not making similar mistakes, whatever it may be, we will always go back to Chaz. It, this isn't the last time. There's always going to be some loose emotional connection that will take the reader and John Constantine right back to Chaz. That's why when, after I initially read this issue, I went back to read that, just that moment. And the whole thing about Chaz is the, 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 the emotional takeaway you take that John ends up getting is like Chaz is pissed off at him because of what essentially John screwed him over. And he and Chaz is his Chaz thought that John was his friend. Yeah. And like it doesn't dawn on John that basically, oh, you know, I didn't mean to. Ha ha ha. Making jokes, you know? And like Chaz is like, like, dude, I got torn to pieces and you left me. Go fuck yourself. I mean, and not <laughs> to mention, you also had the the Chaz moment before he got pulled into this other, I don't know, universe, dimension, timeline. Um, when he let Chaz drive a taxi right into the thick of it and he knew nothing was going to happen. He just, Hey, you know what? We're all going to die. Let him think he's doing something. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, you know, that's fucking dark. But also at the same time, it's like, do you let the dog see you put the gun up to his head? Like if he's sick and he needs to be put down, like in the old days, if you're a farmer. So there's a, there is a 
a callousness to it, but there's, but it's also some logic behind it. So uh, all of it just works. Dave. It, works. It, it just, it goes, I love it. Cause technically this is like the f- fourth issue now that we've yes. read and it just, it all works together. And I don't think Chaz is going to be the last name or face that we're remind that we are reminded of. It's only a matter of time to, before we get an issue where another name, someone that Constantine had screwed over or had died um, and he feels responsible for it's only a matter of time before someone like that pops into the equation. And then yet again, we're reminded, hey, John, this is your second chance, you know, and another big takeaway. This leads right back. Or this leads right into my other big takeaway. Just like you said. Is John falling back into his old way? Sure, he saved Noah, but he also is going to put a different type of target on his back by making him his driver. <laughs> Essentially, he needs a Chaz. Right. <laughs> I mean, we already know what's happened to Chaz numerous times and everyone else that's affiliated with John. And you can look at this in various ways. In my opinion, Constantine is probably well aware that he should tell Noah to run as far as he can. Yes, from K-Mag, but also from him. Yeah. Like, listen, dude, I saved you. And now please be gone. Never look my name up again. If you see me down, walking down the same street as you, just ignore me. Do yourself a favor. Stay away from me. Yeah, it's amazing to me that basically that one scene supposed to be really powerful of him toward the end of the issue when he tells Noah all about like the deal that he made is basically you stay away from K mag. Right. And he basically makes the, uh, the, makes the statement. You don't fucking need him. Yeah. And the, the when I read that, I'm like, like, this is like a junkie calling another person a junkie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, I'm like going, that's when the light bulb came into my head. I'm like going, all right. It's cool that John found a way out of this. Yeah. Like it, he found a way out of this, this because he, he did the Constantine way. This is how Constantine saves the day. It's classic Constantine. Classic Constantine. It's right? like, hey, I saved you. But hey, you know what? I had a driver once. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he didn't. He might have owed me a favor or two, but never did I bring it up. Yeah. And then it's like. <laughs> you know, and, it, and he's doing the same thing. He's with doing the, the same thing. Yeah. And then uh, the, the light bulb went in my head. I'm like, like oh, God. John hasn't learned jack shit. Like this is just the beginning. Yeah. The, well, that has to come into play. And I, I, I think you, you're right. That one moment when he remembers Chaz, it just all of a sudden dawns on him that basically shit. Yeah. I, gotta, I, I, I have to make this work. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, this is Constantine. This is a classic Constantine and he's yes. not, I don't think anyone can ever argue the point that he's a bad person. Cause he's not a bad person. He's not an evil person. He's just a very flawed person. He is an addict essentially. Um, but there's a few other ways you can look at this, you know, why he chose to bring Noah under his, his, his wing, if you will. Because Noah can't speak back to him. <laughs> How funny was it that he actually understands sign language? Yeah. <laughs> what a dick. What a dick. I was like, going, especially when Noah brings up, I thought you said that you didn't know about uh, sign language. And John's like, yeah, and I knew about all this time. It's all right. I have relatives that do that. Like. They, they don't they pretend they don't speak English to Whitey so they can just ignore them like, eh, eh, 
No comprende. I'm like, Tio Chucky, you know English. You've known English for like 40 years. Yeah, but I don't want them to know. <laughs> I don't want them to know. <laughs> yeah, so... All right. So a couple different things here. I mean, why is Constantine doing this? Uh, Constantine is possibly lonely. Perhaps he needs the companionship that we all we already know that from a previous issue that he is feeling lonely. He is a fish out of water. There's not a lot of people he knows, not a lot, not a lot of people he can trust. Maybe he feels like he needs someone, but also he needs his creature comforts. There's some habituality to Constantine (laughs) things he must have we know Constantine can't drive worth shit yes so he needs a driver and the whole intercut scenes with the bus was fucking fantastic oh it was it was funny I mean I know you're the I know you farted lady so quit trying to look away (laughs) from me (laughs) if you continue to what was it blow in my ear or breathe in my ear no sniff in my ear (laughs) yeah Constantine cannot be on a bus yeah he hates people. But it's an interesting character development. I mean, he's supposed to be doing things differently, right? This is his unearned second chance. And we're going to keep echoing that sentiment because it's it's kind of the foundation. It No, it is. I would say it definitely is the foundation no, is. of this new reboot series. It's his unearned second chance. Why did he get it? What's happening? Does he actually deserve it or does he actually meaning does he actually deserve this because it's going to end horribly for him? Is he being manipulated by himself, which is, you know, poetic as fuck? I mean, what is going on? So it's something we're going to keep bringing up, and I'm sure it's going to be a big part uh, in terms of thematics. Uh, thematically, I should say, in probably just about every issue, it, there's always there's going to be those Chaz moments. There's going to be those yeah. Noah moments to remind us that this is, you know, an unearned second chance. And I think that that was the genius of Spurrier's writing in this issue was like he makes the audience number one cheer for John, but then at the very at at the very end, you question, okay, John got it. John fixed the problem. Yeah. But he just essentially just did his old habits, which is something that he's not supposed to do. Right. I, I mean, <laughs> he does a lot of good. I mean, you can definitely argue that. And But he makes decisions that are that inevitably drags people into the Constantine vortex. Yes. And it doesn't end well. That that much is known. I think anyone who's ever picked up a, a Constantine magazine or a comic of any kind, whether it be vertigo new 52 or rebirth i mean it's that's one thing every constantine has in has in common and i like the fact that you're that you, going to get dragged into this vortex yeah the constantine vortex i like i like that you brought uh brought up that 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 saying the constantine vortex because it's very true it's very with this character it's kind of like the unlucky cat yeah <laughs> the black cat it's it, like yeah. he can't help it He's trying to do his best, but at the end of the day, he just is going to screw you over <laughs> and, and, and you're gonna, it's supposedly for the betterment of everybody. But then again, then now we have to look at it at the, uh, in the context of, well, look what happened to Chaz. He thought he was doing the right thing. Hey, let, let him believe that he's doing the right thing. It's Okay. He'll get smashed to pieces and be tortured for the next 
I think what did they say, like 20 years? I can't remember now, but like Chaz was tormented for 20 years by the demons. But Chaz, at the end of the day, Chaz basically said, 20 years I was tortured. I just got fed up of yeah. you. It's it's so poetic. I love that the theme that basically the character, like John, is trying to do the best thing. He's trying to be a hero, but he doesn't understand that what he essentially is doing is like also very villainous. Yeah. I mean, my favorite scene in the, in the comic that captures the Constantine that we all love and know as a hero mm-hmm. is that one, that final scene when he's walking away from the hobo and he, and he tells him, Oh, there's your cherubs. Yeah. And they end up killing the hobo. And I'm like, going, that is, is classic Constantine. That's John back to form of what he we know. Oh, manipulating events, creating a plan. Exactly. Uh, it's yeah, it's good. And but it's it's also that dark element of John that basically says anybody he touches or anybody he talks to is gonna get fucked. Right. But to be fair, that Constantine was trying to be very diplomatic with that hobo. He was trying to talk him down from a ledge, and I think at the at that moment. We got to see the Constantine that will that will end it. Like, listen, I'm going to end this. I tried to give you numerous chances, and maybe there's there's something he can learn from that very lesson. You know, hey, people continue to give you chances as well. People continue to try to talk you off the ledge as well, Constantine. And do you take those chances? Do you take the olive branch that's being extended to you? There's a bit of uh, it's a bit of uh, an allegory for Constantine in some way. This whole this whole thing with the hobo. I'm not saying he's a racist prick by any means, but I'm saying, hey, guess what? Um, Even after someone reasons with you and tells you exactly what you're doing, you still go about things your own stubborn way at times. So, yeah, Um, there were some statements of ideology as well that I thought was pretty fucking smart. Um, I love my comics when they delve into um, I, I, I'm not saying soapbox moments. No one wants to feel like they're being preached to or, or looked down upon and being told how to speak or act or think. But I mean, all good forms of art has some type of, you know, ideology embedded of some type, whether it be social politics or or numerous other avenues of whatever politics um, for example, every holy visionaries, a different era's madman. Uh, Constantine's rebuttal to the homeless man's diatribe on divinity and uncleanliness. I mean, a broad statement on politics, religions, government. When he says every flag is drenched in blood, every scripture is full of contradiction And despite the grounded moment wrapped inside the larger than life, it helps the title, the Hellblazer title, hold on to what makes Hellblazer work so well. It's humanity. Yes. The nuanced look into humanity, uh, the cynical introspective thoughts of John Constantine. I love it. And that's why I love those diplomatic moments where Constantine is able to kind of flex his own, you know, diarrhea of the mouth. Well, that's. Honestly, that for me is John Constantine's re- true power is his power of actual his power of actually his linguist skills, linguist skills, <laughs> his diplomacy, 
His diplomacy is his true power. I mean, yeah, he has all this flashy his, his magic that gift he can rely on. The you know, gift of gab. He's got the gift of gab. He's got the gift of gab. And it's like Superman quality gift of gab. Yeah. Where he can basically, my favorite part is like he, he's listening to the hobo and the hobo say, he who desires but acts not breeds pestilence. And then he says, yeah, and he who spouts shit like that can use it to justify anything. Yeah, that was a powerful thought. Because that isn't that true, though. It is when you look at some of our radicals today, whether it be from the political front or the religious, religious front, they use words and you know from the Bible, from whatever religious doctrine they're they're using to power their their line of thinking, and they think because it's righteous or it could be divine that they can then justify whatever they can do something and then justify it. By backing it up with, I don't know, words from the Bible or wherever or, or some other indoctrinated belief. So it, it is amazing, you know, how Spurrier is able to sprinkle a little bit of politics or at least his own views on society. Yeah. And not only that, but Campbell's use of of his art with Spurrier's writing, I think his choices of actually where to use color and where to use hard uh hard uh hard color compared to like soft colors like grays and yeah. stuff i really enjoy that contrast because it puts the words of spurrier into such like narrow it puts it into really great focus brings it to life brings it to life <laughs> i mean like the times when the the hobo is spouting about religion and everything you have fire you have like all this light all around john and everything but when john starts talking like these little innocent truths there's no light it's just just john himself and it's just gray yeah and it's just like this is the harsh truth. You can be as flowery as you want. It shows the contrast. It shows the yeah, contrast in, the in, in 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 the words that Spurrier is putting on the page. Yeah. And dude, I mean, we've we've blown Campbell's art. Just the, the the last two issues. I mean, you can't say anything else about Campbell's art. How well him and Spurrier are as a team, because. The way that Campbell's been able to take Spurrier's words and still give art the life that it needs, it adds the impact to Spurrier's words. And that's very rare. That is, uh, you know, I'll be honest, I've read a lot of comics in my day, and it's very rare to find a tandem that basically works so in sync that the work that they put forth is just. A masterpiece. I mean, you could say like the early Batman 52 with, I forgot the team that did that, that, that became iconic. Uh, I think it was Snyder and Capullo. That team up was just magic. This team up of Campbell and Spurrier honestly can rival that just how well they, the, the two blend together. Yeah. I don't disagree, Dave. I um I love it. I don't want them to ever break up. <laughs> but the that's the scary part. I mean, we mentioned it in the last episode. Okay, now ev- oh, issue four, right. yeah. four and five, Matisse takes over just for those two issues and then Campbell comes back. So 
now now it, now it becomes okay. How good really is Spurrier's writing? Oh come on! Is that, that's and, not, and, we've read other things. By we've Spurrier. read other we things. Know. We have faith in Spurrier and everything, but like to get the magic of that that what I call that that chemistry. But also look at Hellblazer's um, what uh, number zero? Sandman presents. That wasn't Aaron Campbell. Yeah, that wasn't Aaron Campbell, and that was yeah. done very well. Yeah, so I, I'm sure it'll be fine. But Aaron Campbell better not do that to us again. I will find him. I will find him. Why'd you leave me? How dare you? How dare you? Potty mouth. So stupid. All right. So the reason behind the homeless dude's abilities, um, we had gone over this a bit in spec in a, in a speculative fashion during our discussion on issue two. But I mean, yes, it's thought magic invoking uh, the angels was a tulpa. It was not actual angelic divinity. Uh, it was a tulpa version of it anyways. Uh, yes. con- conjured up by the dude's craziness. Constantine made it clear that he doesn't know. He said it at the beginning of the issue. And then we were left with that open-ended uh, or cliffhanger type feeling as well with the old man Constantine. But Constantine has made it clear that he doesn't know where this dude, the hobo, is getting his juju. <laughs> and then you get to the ending. Yes. And I was like, going, well, I'm assuming, right? I mean, I think it's I think this I think it's safe to assume that. Or we're led to believe that the cause for this whole thing, the person giving uh, the homeless man his power was old man Constantine, was old man right? Constantine. Is, yeah. Okay, so it's, the, it's safe the, to assume, yeah. It was the glasses, because, like, if you look at the glasses, and it makes sense, because I'm, like, going, well, we know in this universe that basically magic has to be tied to an object. So, because, like, you know, like, K-Mag and his magic tying to intestines, and John has to usually pull out something like a... uh a parchment or something that basically connects to the spell, how the guy and the whole time we were trying to figure out how is this guy pulling off the tulpa because he doesn't have any magic. And then when you see the power getting seeped from the glasses and then it leads to the reveal of uh, uh, old man Constantine, then you go, Oh, okay. Old man Constantine probably gave the old, that, that crazy guy, the, glasses and the glasses are probably a relic right well we'll see right but i definitely i think we could definitely say without a doubt that old man soulless constantine is involved and he's trying to do something like obviously he's not up to anything good we saw i believe at issue one his connection to with the royals yes and they were doing some deviant shit and we have that we, thing. Yeah, we and, have that. That that didn't get covered again. No, and then we have the obviously this that he somehow wanted to get. I don't know. Maybe bring Constantine, Noah, Nat, K Mag. Maybe he wanted to bring them all together for some reason. Um, but I don't think it's going to end well. This is definitely the the bigger overarching story that we've been talking about. This is. I mean, if this was a TV show, this would be the myth arc. This is the main storyline that's going to connect all our of our all of our smaller stories. And man, it is getting really interesting. Oh yeah, it's getting really interesting. I am super psyched to see what's next. And like I said at the beginning of the show, I just hate waiting. I hate waiting <laughs> a, a fucking month. I mean, I, I get it. It's it's just the way it is. And the and the but, cool thing is, is like. <laughs> 
now we, uh, while we got introduced to K-Mag, who was a fantastic villain, now we question, okay, you're right. Is Old Man Kotsky going to be the villain of the entire series? I, I think, I think he is. And, and if he's not, we're definitely being led to think that. And maybe there'll be some twist that he is manipulating and causing things to happen. But perhaps there is a John Constantine goodness to it. You know, hey, you know what? It sucks for a lot of people, but there is a reason. I'm trying to repair something. I'm trying to fix something. I'm trying to get it right this time. Uh, who knows? I, I don't think it's going to be as simple as I'm a bad guy and I'm here to destroy you. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be a lot more complicated uh, if Spurrier's writing is of any proof of that. It's not yeah. going to be very simplistic. Um, let's go to a very quick break, Dave. And then when we get back, we're going to get into final thoughts. All right. Okay. Who the hell do you think I am? Benedict Bloody Cumberbatch. The Rain Man Show. The Rain Man Show. Apparently, or fabric of society, so long as they and their weird way of doing sex is is, is legitimized. That's what they their weird way of having sex or doing sex. I mean, gay folk—they're not aliens. They're not from Trisomia twenty-one. <laughs> they're human beings. They have sex the same way we do. They don't mind meld in order to fuck. <laughs> now then, they don't, they don't place their fingertips together and they're orgasming the way. These, I mean, Thomas. Oh, Jesus, he's in the studio. Uh, Thomas, I mean, the way the gays uh, signed those leases for the latest Kia excursion. I mean, it's just, it's madness. The way they do those leases and buy those homes. And, you mean and, with the signature the same way everyone I mean, else their, does? Their credit ratings are just exuberantly high for, for people. From a lack of divorce. It's, it's true. I mean, they live a better life. They have more disposable income than the rest of us. But good golly, they're going to ruin society. <laughs> if anything, we can learn a, a little bit about economics and, and the life savings from the gay community. <laughs> For more Rain Man, visit RainManShow.com. That Irishman there is a leprechaun. So, so sorry, are, are you being serious or racist? Both, love. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the House of Mystery. We are in the middle of covering issue number three of John Constantine, Hellblazer, David... You know, I'll go first this week on the final thoughts, okay? Love the issue. Loved the feeling I got at the end of issue three. I mean, the fact that we had our first story complete, our first completed story arc already. Um, I know nowadays a lot of these story arcs go for five, six, seven, eight issues at times, but I think it was smart to bring it into just three issues. Number one, you could do that when you have a writer like Spurrier, because uh, as I said, during our issue two discussion, there is so much there. Yes. We don't really need more issues to delve into this story. I feel like it's more than complete. We have the overarching story that involves old man Solos Constantine. We have our new team. I think it's definitely safe to say that we have Nat, Noah, John, uh, possibly the cop, uh, Vestibulin. How do you say his name? Vestibulin. Vestibulin, the fallen angel in the phone. Everything's coming together. And now with issue four, we can just hit the ground running. I'm going to give this a 93. I mean, it's it's near perfect. It's just it's a great way to continue the story of John Constantine. You're building up those those 
moments that we have come to a come to expect from John Constantine, the idea that the addiction uh, is coming back, you know, in, in full force and full flare up. And if John is not careful, he's going to get pulled and dragged right back to the, the, the things that he's done in his past. The very reason why he found, finds himself right now in this situation. I love it all. It feels so on par with everything we know of Constantine and it works and it, creates and piques my interest so dave where are you at my final thoughts on the issue i agree with you it is near perfect this is this is an example that i've been waiting for when me and you have covered comics to whenever i've brought up the fact that you have three issues as a writer and a team to catch me in your series they caught me in the uh, they caught me they 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 Hooked me, hooked line and sinker. They fish hooked you. They fish hooked me. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. Look at me. And like, I'll be, I'll be honest. This is a very, very academically taking a look at all three issues. This is something that you can bring to like a writing session or a writing class for comic books and show up and coming writers. This is how you do it. You, you you have to establish your character within three issues. You have to establish a myth arc. have to establish their their own personal conflicts, but still tell a story. Give us a narrative that will propel us into the next one, and then the next one, and the next one. This is, like, close to perfection. You know, like, uh, there's a meme that basically me and you have discuss- talked about, about showing Magneto showing like he sees one thing. No, show me the other thing shows me another thing. No, show me the other thing. And then suddenly he says, ah, perfection. Oh yeah. The meme. Yeah. 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 Honestly, you could show issue one. Ah, show me another thing. Show me issue two. Ah, show me another thing. Issue three perfection. That's, that's how good up to this issue is. It is close to perfection as it, for, for a comic series. I can't say enough about Campbell's art. I think his art is just as important as Spurrier's writing. Spurrier, I can't say enough about his writing. We know that he's like one of the best writers out there. And you just have to look at his background to actually see. They picked the right guy to bring back Hellblazer after its decade-long hiatus. Yeah. And... I like where they're going with all the elements. And I, the one thing I really do appreciate is I hope that this is one of the main myth arcs is the fact that John cannot rely on his whole old habits, you know, to save the day it works right now, but at the end of the day, it's still old habits that basically will lead him down into the Constantine vortex. Yeah, you're right. And there's going to be a moment where he's going to have to, he's going to be at a crossroads. And you have that, you have like what you said, those Chaz moments. Yeah, for where, sure. Where he's like, am I doing this right? Or I, I feel like I'm back, my mojo's back. Wait a minute, I'm supposed to be doing something different. Because in years past, when John makes a decision in an issue that I'm reading, I'm like, yeah, whatever, fuck it. That's what he does, right? But it's funny because the scenario that Aaron Campbell, or I should say that uh, Spurrier has created, 
I'm, we we always root for John Constantine. We always do. That, yes. Of course, that's why we read his stories. But I'm rooting for him to make the right decisions, and I don't think I've ever <laughs> done that before. Yeah, and that's in what the feels past. Good. I'm like, you know what? He's gonna make the decision that he's gonna make, and that's just John Constantine. But now I'm like, oh, dude. I'm rooting for you, bro. <laughs> you can make the right decision, man. Don't forget, and, and it brings up the into the the myth arc that we brought up in the last issue about him getting a second chance. Yeah, that's the whole. That's that's. I think that's the we're gonna main keep going back to story that. arc. Yeah, is the main story arc is you have a second chance. Yeah. So, so what's your percentage? My percentage on this one is a ninety nine. It is close 99. to perfection. Ninety-nine. Wow. It is close to perfection. This is perfect. This is this is the closest you're gonna ever get, honestly, to perfection. In my opinion, not just as a fanboy of like Sandman and and the Constantine universe and yeah. Vertigo universe, but just looking at it academically from a writing standpoint and how the art blended together, how you have the instant chemistry between writer and artist. This is how you should have it in a comic. Yeah. I And I didn't mention Aaron Campbell's work, man. I seriously, some of these pages, I want, I want to blow them up and put them in the studio. My favorite, my favorite, uh, my favorite page is the last page. Yeah. Of Old Man Constantine just standing there. It's just gorgeous. It's just absolutely stunning. It's stunning. Yeah. And like he has a way of actually telling a story with his art because like you, you're looking at it and it looks cool, but he evokes kind of like this feeling that you get about the character. Like he's a little mysterious and he's a little someone to be scared of. Yeah, And, and to be fair, I don't want to neglect to mention, was it Jordy Belair? I believe he's yes. the he's the one doing the color, the right? Color. So, I mean, he definitely deserves kudos as well. Oh, absolutely, because like, just like what I mentioned earlier in this episode, the, the way that they use the color in the very beginning with that element that you mentioned about trying to discuss about religious ideals, mm-hmm. I think was genius. I mean, that shows the team is on their A game. Because they they were able to take the art, the writing, and the coloring, and weave like this really nice kind of uh, uh, capsule of like, hey, here's our lesson for today. <laughs> yeah. Our- All right, Dave. Well, this does conclude our discussion on John Constantine Hellblazer issue number three. But things for people to look forward to. Uh, we definitely have our Books of Magic discussion coming out, uh, and I'm talking about the Books of Magic storyline that was used as a as reference or to bring context or to launch this new Hellblazer storyline. We recorded that several weeks ago. We just have not put it out yet. I was waiting for the right moment. That'll be coming out shortly, uh, followed by uh, discussions on... Uh, the books of magic issue number 14 uh, where John Constantine makes his appearance. We also have Lucifer number 15 where John Constantine makes an appearance. We'll be getting into that. We'll be delving into those issues as well as a complete discussion on Batman damned because of course Constantine is a major player. (laughs) So that's what everyone has to look forward to over the next, I don't know how many, uh, four, to five broadcasts dude i'm telling you this is the year of constantine 
Yeah. I mean, he's everywhere. And we're going to be here. We're going to be right here. So we're going to fish hook all of you and make you just look at us. That's not appropriate, but it's okay. We're going to go with it. All right, Dave. Thank you. I also thank everyone for listening. If you want to get more House of Mystery, please find us on Stitcher. House of Mystery. Yeah, that's that's the name of our show. What's what's the name of our show, David? (laughs) House of Mystery. Um, If you want to get more House of Mystery, you can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Just search House of Mystery. Also, leave us reviews because every review, every time someone pushes play, shares one of our shows, it makes us more relevant on those feeds. It's part of the whole algorithm process on those podcasting platforms. And the more people that interact with those feeds, the more we pop up and we become more relevant. So please do that. Thank you, David. Thank you. My name is John Constantine. I'm the one who steps from the shadows, all trench coat and arrogance. I'll drive your demons away, kick them in the bollocks and spit on them when they're down. Leaving only a nod and a wink and a wisecrack. I'll walk my path alone, because let's be honest. Who'd be crazy enough to walk it with me?